How are we going? That's better. Th thanks, Jonathan, and thank you for your welcome here. I uh, feel like I have some connections with this place. Uh, my son comes up here, or used to come up here from time to time, was, uh, had stayed with Gail, and uh, is a friend of Carl. So we have that connection. Wendy, who led the worship here, uh, her parents are legends down in Melbourne at uh, Mitcham Baptist Church, where I was pastoring for 12 years. So I had that connection here. And Jonathan and I have a, uh, a friendship that goes back some time. I think I uh, helped supervise him in his early years in ministry. And uh, so I feel like I have some, uh, some strong connections here with Wodonga. I bring you greetings from Kevin Forbes, who uh, you know has been up from time to time, and from Alan Maher at the, at the Baptist Union. They, they are delighted to uh, rejoice with you in the opening of this new venture. And so uh, I bring their greetings. I've been in this role for three weeks, so uh, I'm pretty much learning what goes on. I said to Alan, I said, well, what actually do you say when you bring greetings from the union? He said, I'll let you know when I find out. <laughs> I thought there might be some official words or, or mantra that uh, you had to say. Now, are we going to have Mary kind of come and talk about uh, what uh, the centre is about? Thanks, Mary. You come and tell, let us know about that. Good morning. Oops. We're not making good noises. Okay, that's better. <laughs> well, I'm not Mary. I'm Cheryl Newman, and Mary's here beside me because she's going to talk to you in a minute. Um, my joy this morning is to come and tell you a little bit about the fledgling beginnings of what is now Mustard Seed Counselling and Care. I was one of a, a group of intrepid women that felt led by God to meet regularly. This is back in 1996 that we started. And we would meet regularly on a Monday morning at 5.30 on Gail and Warren Hill's um, veranda. And it was pretty cool on mornings like we've had this week. And, but it was really laid on our hearts that Christian counselling was something that God really wanted to have develop in this place. So over the, over the years, a period of about five years... Um, the group took different forms, but there was um, Gail Hill, myself, Glenda Taylor, Hilary Cooper, Nancy Massey, Mavis Lutton. And over that period of about five years, uh, the group took different forms and God moved us on in different directions, scattering us far and wide and doing different things in our lives. For Gail, this meant undertaking 
her master's degree in counselling from Kingsley College. <coughs> and God had also led another very committed woman, Mary Miles, to undertake the same course, which both she and Gail have now completed successfully. In their studies, Gail and Mary were guided by Dr Sheila Wilkin, who's the Director of Counselling at, at Kingsley College, as well as being Director of the Carinia Counselling Centres. Last year, Sheila Wilkin was invited to Odonga to discuss the possibility of establishing a formal Christian counselling centre here in our community. There were a number of meetings with the deacons and, of course, a great deal of prayer culminating in the general meeting of the church in November at which it was agreed that mustard seed counselling and care would commence operating in April of this year, 2008. From November to April, Ken Stevens and Gail Hill worked hard, I mean very hard, to develop the policy and procedures package necessary for the establishment of the centre. Then in April, Mary Miles was appointed as Mustard Seed's senior counsellor and Gail Hill as the centre's director. Expressions of interest were called for a committee of management and as a result, Leonie Weish, Ashley Malpass, Heather Juniper, Gail Tuttle, Cheryl Newman and Karen Thomas were appointed to the management committee bringing the unique gifts and skills with which God had equipped them. And the wonderful Robin Watkins has kindly donated every Monday to work as the centre's receptionist and is already doing a brilliant job. Mustard Seed Counselling and Care has been operating since April and slowly, mainly through word of mouth, members of the local community are becoming aware that we are here. The official opening today is a celebration of God's faithfulness, that in his time he has birthed what is now a seed, but which we firmly believe will become a haven for those who are hurting, broken and in despair. It is our prayer that here they will find hope, restoration and purpose in their lives. Thank you. Okay, so what is Christian counselling? Is it Christian counselling? Is it counselling Christian? Let's join and pray together, shall we? This one. Father, you have never waited for us to become perfect before showing us the full measure of your love or commissioning us to serve in your world. And we dare to believe today that you're always calling us to a new venture, pointing us to new horizons in ministry and will never cease to do so. And this is a task, Lord, that we cannot do alone. We need you as our guide and the love of one another. And so it is on this occasion we claim the privilege of committing ourselves anew to your service. With your help, we will bear one another's burdens and love our neighbour as ourself. And we will also accept disappointment and frustration, even opposition and rejection, and not lose heart. 
And so we would ask that you would help us to love your world as you love it. To bring friendship into our work, courage into our counselling, freshness to, into our relationships and adventure into this church. And so we would ask, Lord, that you would create in these ones who are part of this new venture clean hearts and renewed spirits. Stir into flame the gifts you have given and the faith to use them without reserve. For Gail and Mary, particularly as they counsel, may they listen and pray. May they be aware of your presence and your wisdom. And for Robin, Ashley, Leone, Cheryl, Gail, Karen and Heather as they support and encourage, may you give them the encouragement that comes from knowing that this is your work, that you have called them to. And we, as your disciples, help us to know the freedom to move with these ones into the unknown and the untried, to see the opportunities of the new day and to serve this town with compassion, imagination and courage. So, Lord, be with us until we have done our part and share your joy. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning. Um, we're all getting older, aren't we? <laughs> Twelve years ago. I can't believe it, really. It's just gone like that. And then sometimes it's just gone agonisingly slowly as well. So, But God is faithful, isn't he? He's just an amazing God. And I really thank you so much for sharing in our joy here this morning. Um, I'd like to give you an insight into the dynamics of counselling. And I, I have the permission, actually, to share a story from a young girl that I was seeing for about six weeks. Um, this particular person is no longer here in this church. I did such a good job. She left. Um, in actual fact, she left with her and her husband to go back home to her family, which is in the northern part of New South Wales. So, uh, But uh, her name is Roma. And what's significant about Roma is that she actually hated her name. Um, she felt that her name was synonymous with how she viewed herself. And she actually viewed herself as someone that was really not very lovable, as someone that was um, angry, abrasive and rebellious. And if the goal of Christian counselling, as Mary has um, so you know, beautifully shared, is to help a person view themselves and their relationships and their life through God's lens and to help them to grow into a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ, then uh, Roma, as a Christian, was failing miserably. In one defining session, I asked her to describe who she thought she was. And she said, brash, overbearing, sinful, angry, a woman God would find hard to love. 
And then I asked her to describe how she would like to be. And what was fascinating was she had no problem describing how she would like to be. She would like to be a beautiful little girl, again, pure and innocent. And she believed that she would move more into her creative side if she could give herself permission. She wanted to be a seamstress and a homemaker because um, it's what she's always just wanted to do. And she would like to call herself Isabella, or Bella for short, because Bella actually means beautiful. And she would like to be gentle and kind. She would like to be a person that doesn't get angry, that would deal with her inner conflict and struggles rather than just get angry. Bella, she said, is someone that she trusts and that God trusts. She believed when I asked her what Bella would say to Roma, that Bella would say to Roma that it's okay to let go, that it's okay not to worry about how people might judge you, how people might reject you or what they might throw up at you, but that God does love you. As Bella, she felt as small as this little mustard seed that you got when you came in. And she wanted to grow, but she felt unsafe to grow. She was scared, scared of being judged, scared of being rejected. She wanted to trust Jesus more. After six weeks, Roma actually left our church and returned with her husband to Dubbo. But Roma left literally having changed her name to Bella. Bella with a, new, with a new potential. And this is Bella. And she's beautiful, isn't she? She's absolutely beautiful. She's beautiful on the inside as well as the outside. You know, the process of change, the process of restoration and transformation and growth had begun. It just begun. It was like this tiny little mustard seed. But it's exciting all the same. And Roma was Bella in name and was determined with God's help to begin the process of fulfilling her God-given potential. A new name and a new potential. And how did this really happen? Well, she, she came for counselling and through my training I was able to ask some pertinent questions, guide her, challenge faulty beliefs, encourage her to think differently, see what God said about her through his word, pray with her. But ultimately, her journey to restoration, change and growth had nothing to do with me. You see, only Jesus gives us a new name, and a new potential. And we read, or um, Ash read, from um, Isaiah 61, that Jesus, uh, the, the scriptures said that the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release for the prisoners and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour, the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, 
to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of despair. They will be called. They will be given a new name. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendour. That's a promise. And I don't know about you, but I know in my own life there have been painful times when I too have wondered, am I, Gail, really lovable? You know, do I matter? Do my feelings, do my experience, even my pain at times really matter to anyone? Particularly, I felt this when I was young, when I was lost, when I didn't even know who I was. And even knowing Christ has presented still ongoing challenges in my life. My life didn't just miraculously become perfect when I gave my life to Jesus. I was bound at times in a cycle of needy approval, captive to feelings of insignificance. Look, I honestly say I've really never liked my name, and that's the truth. When, when I say my name, Gail, it sounds like barrel, kind of just, it's not, it's not sweet. It's not, it's not, it doesn't roll off the tongue, it falls off the tongue. And it sounds like, a, a, you know, gale, a gale force wind that just comes and blows through and, and destroys everything in its wake. And my husband probably says, well, yeah, that, that's your name, you know. Um, but he does. Uh, <laughs> He still loves me, though, I think. Um, but, you know, there were times when I, I, I didn't like my name. I wanted to be Bella. Bella's beautiful. Um, but it reflected how I felt about myself. And what about you? Now, I can't believe that there is anybody here who has never felt brokenhearted, who has never grieved, has never mourned, has never felt in bondage to some oppressive sin or unhealthy belief system or has never been in despair. I can't believe there's anyone. Is there anyone? Put up your hand if you've never felt those things. Good. Because <laughs> you'd be in denial. <laughs> and that's not healthy. <laughs> Now, this passage in Isaiah is significant because it appears somewhere else in the Bible and it appears at a very pertinent place. And if we turn over to Luke chapter 4, 16 to 22, we see this passage repeated again, but it's repeated in what we call the New Testament. This scripture was written by Isaiah and it was recorded in the Old Testament some 300 years before it was repeated yet again in the New Testament. And in Luke chapter 4, Jesus had been preaching and teaching and healing people for at least 12 months and, and Jesus then comes back to his town of Nazareth where he grew up 
where he grew up, where his father was known as a carpenter, where his mother Mary was well known, where he had brothers and sisters and he must have ran through the streets of Nazareth with James and the rest of his family. And here Jesus is as a man in the synagogue and they hand him the scroll and he unfolds the scroll and what is written on the scroll are these very words from Isaiah in Isaiah 61, which was written some 300 years earlier. And Jesus reads these words and then he rolls the scroll back up and he gave it back to the attendant and he sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. You could just imagine this man that they knew has read these words, he's handed back the scroll, they're all looking at him and he says, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Wow. (laughs) I don't know, what a moment. How? This man was saying he is the anointed one. The anointed one from the God of Yahweh has anointed him. This is what this man, Jesus, was saying. He was saying he has a new name. He's the anointed one, the saviour. And he has come to preach the good news, the good news that Jesus Christ, the only person, the only man alive on earth, fully man yet fully God, was able to take our sin, the sin that blocks our relationship from God, and take it upon himself, take all the despair, take all the muck, take all the bondage that we we have, take all our faulty beliefs, take all our unforgiveness, take all our resentments, our, our, our sinfulness, and take it upon himself so that we become free. And Jesus is saying, I have come to preach the good news. I have sacrificed my life instead of yours. In Ephesians 3, we are described as children of wrath. That's how God sees us. But Jonathan said last night, we have become children of God. We have been given a new name because of this man who has fulfilled his potential here at that place in that synagogue today. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your your hearing. There is no one like Jesus. What is he he the potential? What was he going to do? What did Jesus say is fulfilled? Well, preaching the good news of Jesus Christ so we can now have a relationship with God for now and ever, unhindered by sin. But more, more than that, you know, I feel like saying, you know, that... that, um, Um, not TV show, commercial, and he says, but wait, there's more, and there is more. 
Because Jesus wants to come and bind up the brokenhearted. You know, binding in this scripture actually literally means bandage and expresses personal attention, soothing, healing and restoring to wholeness. Jesus wants to bring personal healing and wholeness to those who are brokenhearted. You know, the Bible talks so much about the heart, the heart being the wellspring of life, but it's also deceitful above all things. And in our counselling, we really encourage people to engage their minds to tame this heart. You know, this heart is running, can run away with us. You know, we're, we're, we believe that the heart is... Um, is the sentient essence of who we are. In other words, the heart is where our identity is housed. It's where our personality, it's the seat of our will, it's where our emotions are housed. Now, all of those things, identity, emotions, will, they're the things that need taming. They're the things that need to come under control. And Jesus is saying, I want to bind, I want to bring freedom, I want to minister to and bandage up that runaway heart that can lead to all sorts of destructive behaviours if it's left unchecked. I want to release the captives, freedom for them. And this is relating to a scripture from Leviticus 25, which um, when it says, uh, and proclaim the year of the Lord's favour, every 50 years, the Jewish people would have known that there was a celebration to mark that no Hebrew Jew would ever, ever be a slave again to anyone. That was passed. That was in Leviticus 25. And what Jesus is saying here is you, once you give your life to me, once you transfer your identity from your old sinful self and you become a new person with a new name, you will never be enslaved or in bondage again to sin evermore. It never has to happen. If you remain in me, he will release the prisoners and he will comfort all who mourn. In 2 Corinthians verse 3, it says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. Jesus wants to comfort all who mourn. There's a, a beautiful story in John 11. It's the, it chronicles the death of Lazarus. And Lazarus was a friend of Jesus. And Lazarus' sisters, Mary and Martha, were also friends of Jesus. And Jesus used to go to their house regularly and have meals with them and Lazarus was dying and Jesus heard the news that Lazarus was died but he he stayed away and Lazarus did die and eventually as Jesus came to the house where Mary and Martha were mourning Mary races, races out to see Lazarus and she says Lord Lord if only you were here you could have saved him you could have restored him you could have prevented this death but even now even now I know that you are able to do this 
And, and the story goes that Jesus sees the people in the morning and those that are in despair. And the scriptures say he wept. He wept. He comes alongside and he knows our pain. He knows that we need comfort. He knows our struggles. He's the one God that can come in and minister to us in the deepest, profoundest way that no one else can. But what's also fascinating about this scripture that right at the end, yes, he does. He does raise Lazarus back from the dead. He chose to do that. He says in verse 43, Lazarus, come out of the tomb. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. So he was bound and they bound them from head to foot in bandages. He was bound in grave clothes, clothes of the dead. But this is what Jesus says to those around him. He says, Take off the grave clothes and let him go. Jesus asks us to partner with him in healing and restoration, in helping to release the captives, in comforting those who mourn with the comfort we first received. Jesus asked us, and and one of the things we do in Christian counselling is help partner with Jesus in taking off the grave clothes, the clothes of death. How does he do it? Well, he says, I want to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of despair. Here we have a strategic process of how Jesus heals. You know, it's no accident that he says a crown of beauty, oil of gladness. The crown goes on the head. The oil is poured predominantly on the head and then it flows over to the rest of the body. You know, Jesus is saying here, it is your mind that has to be transformed. You know, I believe that our hurts and brokenness create a false identity of who we are. are. Our destructive habits are the fruit of that false identity And at the heart of restoration, we need to change the beliefs about ourselves, not simply correct bad behaviours. Most people I have met believe the following, that my past condemns me. Many people condemn me. My present failings condemn me and my perceptions about God make me feel condemned. And all of this means that many of us feel unaccepted, insecure, insignificant, bound, grieving and despairing. In our heads and our heart, we feel a deep sense of helplessness, guilt and insecurity. And this leads to all sorts of ugly fruit in our own lives. You know, just running through a list 
Some of these might hit you right between the eyes. Loss of self-esteem, feeling forsaken and without support, an absence of meaningful relationships, being unable to receive love and avoiding intimacy, no purpose or direction, total loss of how things will ever change, sense of inadequacy, anger, feeling depressed and bitter, feeling discontented, a sense of worthlessness, a pattern of denial and dishonesty, being self-judgmental, hating myself when I muck up, trying to earn acceptance through performance or approval, being tired of failing, anger, anxiety, ceaseless worry, avoiding conflict, people-pleasing, drug addiction, workaholics. It just goes on. This is the fruit of false beliefs about who we are. You see, we've been given a new name if we are in Christ. We believe that we are unaccepted, insecure, insignificant, hopeless and guilty. But the fantastic news, and this is the news that is in this scripture of Isaiah, which Jesus said in Luke 4, today this is fulfilled in your presence. The fantastic news is that no matter what the past, no matter what your part has been or what your present is like, God has created a new identity for you. You matter so much to him that no matter what has happened or is happening to you or what you have done or what you have become, become God's word to you is this that in Christ you are accepted, secure, significant, special and forgiven. The garment of praise was described like a wrap and it was like this, that we are to wrap ourselves in Jesus. We're to wrap ourselves instead of those false beliefs. In Romans 13, 14, it says, clothe yourself, wrap yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the sinful nature. Our battle is in the mind, but we have victory in Jesus. The secret to a transformed life is experiencing the anointed one in the midst of our trials and believing in his promises for our lives, in realising that remaining in him is crucial to our restoration. God, Yahweh, has changed our identity by the work of Jesus, the anointed one on your behalf. You couldn't do it by yourself. So God changed your identity for you. But he's saying by remaining in him, you can become restored. The most significant part of this scripture is not what Jesus has done, but what Jesus will do. It says, they will be called Oaks of righteousness. Oaks were a variety of a large tree 
just as our namesake, this mustard seed, when we called it mustard seed, counselling and care, we took this tiny, tiny little seed which looks like nothing and yet that's the power of Jesus Christ that we, he can take this unredeemed, nothing little life of ours and I believe, I believe without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus is able to turn this tiny little insignificant life of ours into something that can be big like this, like an oak tree, like a mustard seed that can grow and can fruit but have the right fruit, the fruit that is the fruit of the spirit, joy, peace, love, faithfulness, kindness, gentleness, self-control. I believe that passionately. And, and our counselling service is just one way that that happens, but it is discipleship. It is taking that, that mucky little life and it's discipling them in a specific way to become fruit, trees, of righteousness, a new name with a new potential. But it says a planting of the Lord. Tell me, does a tree move? No. It puts its roots down deep and it stands firm. That is the only way it will ever grow into something like this. You know, in Ephesians 3, it's a beautiful scripture. It says, when I think of the scope of God's marvellous love, I fall to my knees and I give praise to the Father, the creator of heaven and earth, and I pray that out of his glorious inner resources, he will strengthen you with inner strength through the Holy Spirit. May your roots go down deep into the soil of God's marvellous love. And may you have the power to understand how high, how wide, how long and how deep his love really is. We just sang about that. May you experience his love, though you will never fully understand it. Then the scriptures say, then, then you will be filled with fullness of life that comes. Where does it come? through our Lord Jesus Christ. And now to him who is able to do infinitely more than we could ever dare dream or hope for, where does that come from? In the mind, we limit what God will do for us when we limit him by the limitations of our mind. And now to him who is able to do infinitely more than we could dare dream or hope for, to him be the glory now and forever. Amen. 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 They will be called. We will go from Roma to Bella. We will be called Oaks of Righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendour. That's the purpose. It's not so that you'll feel good. I mean, that's a side, you know, bonus. That's not the purpose that we grow. That is not the purpose that we are transformed or we are restored and we bear fruit. That is not the purpose. It's not for us. It's for the display of his splendour. Have you ever met someone that is 
experiencing hardship in their life or you know their story and their story has been a life of hardship and yet you look at them and you marvel because in spite of their background or in spite of their current circumstances, they radiate Jesus Christ? Have you ever met anyone like that? Well, when you do, you don't necessarily marvel at them, but you marvel at the God that is able to do that in them. And I have to tell you that that is often not only a work of the Holy Spirit, but it's a partnership and an engaging with Jesus to allow that to happen in your life. And I have to tell you that when people say they're coming for counselling and people look down on people that are coming for counselling, I get really angry because I think people that come for counselling are brave, courageous, proactive people that have said, I don't want to stand in this muck anymore. I want to move and I want to be changed by Jesus Christ. And this is one way that I want to change. I want to bear fruit and I want to grow. And so, yes, I am not in denial. I have these things in my life that need changing and I need help. We are called to go and take off the grave clothes and that's okay. Amen? I'm going to ask a really lovely friend of mine in the last five minutes remaining, Brett Halls, to come up. Come up, Brett. (laughs) Brett's got a story. And this lovely man and his lovely family have been with us for over 12 months now. Two and a half years, probably. Yeah, two and a half years. (laughs) I told you it was over 12 months. Time flies. (laughs) Two and a half years. And, Brett, you've got a story of being changed, haven't you? Yeah, I I certainly do. Um, I suppose I've uh, been thinking about it more this week and... Um, probably when I was 18, I grew up a Catholic and was educated a Catholic and uh, at that time I kind of turned away from church and uh, gambling took over my life um, and for 14 years I battled an addiction, which wasn't easy and uh, it came to a big head and, um, you know, through different things in our life, we're here today. Mm. It's very brave of you to share bread is not in denial and wasn't in, well, was for a while, weren't you, Brent? Yeah, for a long time. <laughs> a long time. But came to a place where he had to look seriously at his challenges and his sin and his bondage to an addiction. And so what were some of the effects of this on you and your family, Brett? Uh, well, it had a huge effect on uh, myself and my family. Um, we lost friends, uh, lost my job, lost the house. Lost, sorry. Lost the trust of my wife, um, and yeah, mm-hmm. it's um, yeah. But it was a, a hard thing to do, and to admit that I had a problem and to get help, and we did that. And um, I don't think I'll ever look back. God left the door open for me, mm-hmm. and He was there, and we'd come back, and it's great. Mm-hmm. 
Bless you, Brett. How did you change? What helped? Um, well, took myself away from the negative environment and the people that I was associated with. Um, we got counselling. We um, looked to surround ourselves with positive people, which is through uh, Gail Snyder. She introduced us to this church here, so thank you, Gail. Um, we did many life force programs to help Sarah and I understand how we can improve our relationship. And, uh, yeah, just kept coming to church. And I told you and Jonathan, um, you know, every week it seemed that what he was reading he just picked out for us. <laughs> it was great. So I guess the emphasis is church. What I want to really emphasise is that we are a body together working to help to be partner with Jesus as a body to help restore and to almost change your identity from who you are to one that is full of new potential. And it's not just one thing. It's just the body working together through Jesus. Yeah. yeah. And so what do you believe for your future now? Uh, my future's so bright. It's um, fantastic. Uh, you know, I suppose you look at these things and... Um, maybe this had to happen for us to experience such a hard time to, to get to know God and also to, to make us the fantastic people that we're going to be going forward. We've got three beautiful little boys mm. and um, we know we've got some great foundations now which we can build our life on and um, educate them in mm. God. And, uh, mm. Yeah, mm. and so many things. We left a lot of decisions open and... Things have fallen in our place that you wouldn't believe. And if someone had have said two and a half years ago that we'd be where we are today, you wouldn't believe it. Mm. So, yeah, it's good. So we've got a great God, would you say? Fantastic. <laughs> you, um, we've got a great God. We've got a fantastic counselling centre here. And, mm. you know, yourself did a yeah, fantastic job with us. So we appreciate that. Well, we just want to say bless you and that wasn't just to highlight the counselling centre it's just the whole work of God isn't it, it is. but and next week you're dedicating little Harry your youngest little boy here yes and then you're going to be leaving us yes, another one us see so see it's just a pattern you come for counselling then you leave us <laughs> it's not good no. where are you off to Brett Shepherd. yeah so we're not far away so mm. we'll be able to pop back in yeah Wow. I really thank you today for sharing the fact that when you face the reality and when you face the truth of what needs to change in your life, then that is the point of recovery because God then comes in and there's nothing that can stop our God. Nothing wow. is there. That's great. And, and what a wonderful restoration and transformation, church. Thank you, Brett. Thanks, Bless God. you. And, and I think next week we'll, we'll be praying for you and your family. It's only Jesus. He gives us a new name and he signifies a new potential, a new nature in us. It's only Jesus that can do this. I, I really don't want anyone to leave here believing that they are beyond redemption. I don't want anyone leaving here today believing that God cannot come in and transform the life that is there. You might feel today that you are just as small 
as this little mustard seed here, but you don't realise that that's all God needs. That's all it takes if you just will acknowledge the anointed one in your life. If you'll just say, Lord Jesus, you're not looking at me. <laughs> Thanks. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Lord Jesus, there might be some of you here today that just really have never, ever said that prayer. You've never asked Jesus into your life. There might be some of you here today that have just have done that, but you haven't grown. You're still back here at this struggling little stage and you want to move through, but you know that there are things in your life that are really blocking you, that have kept you bound, that have kept you captive. Well, I, I hope today that you'll realise that in Jesus Christ, if you are a strong planting of the Lord, there is nothing, nothing that can stop you from moving forward to bearing fruit. Jonathan's going to come now and, uh, and wind up for us. Thanks, Jonathan. Bless you.